All right. Um, 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 so I like to start this podcast. You know this, Jeb. Sue, you may know this as well. I like to start this podcast with a kind of wacky story, a kind of oh, I'm shocked by this news. A weird story, all right? You know, um, this was my way, by the way, of, of dealing with So back way back in the early days of the podcast, we used to start by, like, talking about the weather. And, man, did we get mail. Uh, people did not like <laughs> that we started talking about weather. So I, so I said, well, we're going to at least start with an aviation story and then i said well let's do a wait weird one this is a kind of odd story and this one's pretty odd i don't know if you guys have seen this um it, it's come to light that apparently a guy flying his mooney intentionally flew through the area 51 restricted area um and although he did not he did not um, um go, voluntarily go public when he was found out by a news organization, he was pretty forthcoming about the whole thing. He said, "I did." Have you seen this? I I saw I saw of it. I didn't read the article. Yeah, um, this is. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, the, so the news organization that that uh, that uh, tracked him down was something called Daily Caller. Uh, I happen to be reading an account of this from Avweb. Avweb writes: Mooney pilot overflies Area 51 checking quote-unquote frequencies. Uh, this is according to a report from the Daily Caller, a 70-year-old California man flew his Mooney aircraft over Area 51 and is currently awaiting a call from the Department of Defense. Um, and uh, um, read further, I believe what the story says is that he was actually told to call the tower when he landed, um, and he did. Uh, I, well, maybe he didn't. I don't know. All I know is that he's he's expecting a follow-up. This story is from a little while ago. This is like a, a month ago or so, but uh, um, this is like, uh, I, I don't even know what, what, what was he thinking. Although... Update me, so I'm really not current. And 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 uh, and and Sue, you're actually a CFI, and Jeb, you're a ground eye. Um, ground eye. That could be an episode title right there. It sounds like a, a cut of beef. <laughs> a ground eye. Uh, uh, refresh my memory. Um, about the rules regarding restricted areas. All right, as a restricted area, if, I mean, if. I can't go in it. You can't go in it you unless you unless you're specifically cleared into it. But what if the what if the so there's a there's a table on the back of the chart, not that anybody uh -huh. has charts anymore, but there's a table available somewhere that you should theoretically have referred to um during your pre-flight um that talks about times of operation and things like that. I mean, uh -huh. aren't some restricted areas sometimes not Yes. Hot? Yes. So Yep. Now I think I looked. I mean, I don't. I went digging around. So the, the restricted area in question here is is uh, is Romeo four eight oh eight apparently N. Yeah, and I'm one. pretty sure it's continuous. And and that's the note I saw. Um, um, I'm not sure if I saw a definitive source, but I did see a, a a description of that that restricted area that said that it was not simply continuous, but ground to infinity too. Uh -huh. right? Oh, no, there you go. There's no over the top. Okay, um, so. Uh, um, this guy busted this thing good big time, and apparently, I, I don't know, according to this story, according to this Daily Caller story, he intended to do this for some reason. I almost wonder, I don't know, let me, you guys talk first. What Do you, do you, do you have any thoughts I, on I'm, this at all? Or I, Do I have any insights? Is that what you yeah, or, uh, I don't know. I mean, who, 
could, could be a bucket list item for the guy. Sure. Yeah, well, sure. I, I, I'm sort of thinking that kind of thing. I'm, I'm kind of so he's seventy year old pilot, and seventy's not very old, all right. But but it's sometimes you know it's kind of you're in the time of life when you're thinking about stopping flying for whatever reason, and maybe he wanted something external to make him stop. There's something I always wanted to do. Well, there's yep. that, you know. But it, I mean, it's I mean the the much more the much more sad tragic example is what they call uh, suicide by police officer okay and i'm not saying this guy meant meant to die all right but i'm saying this is like retire from flying by department of defense um and uh, (laughs) i I don't know um and uh you know it's like he didn't i don't know he just wanted to go out in a big way or something like that well you know he's not out yet first of all yeah. Uh, I, sec- secondly, his name's not used. So technically, FAA doesn't even know the guy's name. Well, yeah, but I think apparently it's not that hard to figure out. I, I haven't read this in a couple weeks or a, a while, but my recollection of reading this story is that the Daily Caller figured out who he was and called him. Mm-hmm. And so they, oh, wow. Know, they know. Well, apparently his end number was sort of part of the uh, flight aware track or something you like think? that. Okay, yeah, I know. And so, um, so apparently Daily Caller knows his name. And, and if he did, in fact, get told to call the tower or call this number, um, then they probably know. They certainly know his end number. Um, if, you know, so I, I don't. I don't think he's successfully hiding from this. Um, I, I think I, he, I, I think, think he, he just cut a deal with Daily Caller. Yeah. They said, "Well, I'll talk to you, but you don't do, you don't use my name." Is I think what happened, yeah. if you ask me. So, uh, yeah. Well, there you go. Um, so, don't. <laughs> it's like oh. I don't know, doctor. It hurts when I do this. Well, don't do that. Right? That's right. Like, <laughs> uh, don't, don't fly through a restricted area, especially if it's if it's you know and not notumed, but but you know listed as being active, which most of them are. I mean, you got gotta assume moas are different, right? Moas. You can uh, fly through them VFR. VF. Okay. Oh, well, but you wouldn't get. Yeah. Okay. But VFR. Because moas, you can fly through VFR. Well, um, wait, if are you're you IFR, that- they'll probably route you around them. Okay. Or or change altitude for you or something right. like that. Is that true? They'll never, you, your experience? IFR would, yeah, will, will, will never let you through, my experience will never let you through a MOA. Oh, okay. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I mean, well, same experience. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's kind of interesting. So, uh, he, his, uh, this guy's uh, ex- explanation, and all he said was somewhat cryptically, he said he was testing frequencies. I, mean, I like that. I don't know what that means. Did he have a ham radio set or scanner uh, or something? Know. Yeah. What's, you know, what, what's up with that? Did well, he have a recorder running? And, and Aluminum I, foil on yeah. his yeah. headset? <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. Um, it's uh, But now, see, we all jump to the conclusion that he's talking about radio frequencies. And um, Yeah, there's, there's that. Yeah. Uh, he could be using a different, different form of the word frequency. It could be like, you know, how frequently something can happen or mm. I, I don't know you know how so. long will it take them to spot yeah. me and, and, and yeah, exactly. tell me to call the tower yeah. yeah um has anybody jeb you're the google guy i'm gonna google this <laughs> yeah but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm retiring from that role no you thinks that's what you think i'm yeah. curious if there's been an updated story here uh let's see now um mooneyspace.com wrote about it uh hype aviation come on we gotta find a good source here um daily caller they have any radio reference wrote about it um i wonder what they wrote here 
um, well, it's just a forum. Um, according to the reports, he's checking a series of voicemails. Pilot told Daily Caller he successfully threw through the range. I'm paraphrasing here. Um, is now anticipating. Just he said to test. Yeah, they just quoted the same the same quote. So. Uh, um, and there's Abweb story, there's Global Air story, Daily Caller story. Uh, there's nothing that doesn't seem to be yeah, anything newer. Um, so, all right. Well, there we go. Okay. Um, are any of these pictures actually the guy? I don't know. No, that's mm. that's him. No. So, okay. All right. Well, there we go. Um, so, uh, don't try this at home. Um, yeah. Especially, you know, I don't know what the joke is here, but yeah, there we go. Yeah, especially if you have to fly out there to do it. You know, if you're not based nearby, don't waste your time. Yeah. Well, it sounded like he was on his way home from something to, it sounds like he lives in Central California. I think that's what the story indicated. So uh, he was flying home and decided, hey, you know, let's try this. Let's see what happens. Let's check the frequencies. Uh, (laughs) I don't know what to do with that line, but (laughs) we're going to do something with it. Uh, What do you bet his name is Kenneth? Uh, oh, I don't get the joke. What's the frequency, Kenneth? REM. REM. That was, uh, what was the guy, the reporter's name? Uh, mm. There was a reporter who, this is whenever, I guess in the 80s, um, who was walking down the street in New York City, and maybe, I, I don't remember the exact circumstances, but two guys maybe accosted him and, and said, you know, and physically, you know, shook him and grabbed him and all this. What's the frequency, Kenneth? And ah, that, that's what I they did wanted. Not, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I didn't know the backstory. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, okay, I'll, have to, I'll take this as a homework assignment. I forget assignment. the journalist, man. Yeah, uh, I'll take this as a homework assignment and figure it out. Well, maybe we'll oh, report it. Okay. <laughs> Welcome, folks, to uh, Uncontrolled Airspace, the general aviation podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson coming to you from uh, high atop the banks of the uh, raging Cochico River. It's not exactly raging right now. Um, in uh, in Dover, New Hampshire, where uh, fall has definitely taken hold. It's uh, It's gotten to be... Um, we got our first frost the last couple of days here, and uh, frost. Yeah, I know. I'm talking Fro- to my talking to my what, two what friends. What is and, this yeah, frost you speak of? Well, okay, you know, you'll get it too, and you guys go nuts. I mean, I, I like we. Uh, I don't particularly like it, but we kind of it happens. Um, I've been down in Florida when 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 you guys have frosts, and I know you know like like iguanas start falling out of trees. Okay, uh-huh. so uh-huh. so uh, don't joke with me about what is this frost you speak I, of. I just sent you both a link. Um, to the Wikipedia page on what's the frequency, Kenneth. It was Dan Rather. Oh. Oh, okay. This was in uh, um, New York York City in 1986. Cool. I'm trying to find it. Did you send it through the uh, Riverside chat? Oh, I didn't send it. I didn't click send. Oh, there it is. Try that. Oh, you sent it through. I sent it via chat. There it is. I got it. Yep. Uh, anyways, cool. Very cool. Um, here in our virtual anyway. hangar, uh, uh, talking with my two good friends. Uh, and uh, one of those is uh, from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida. That's Jeb Burnside. Hi, Jeb. How you doing? I'm good. I'm yeah. good. So, so I, I set the t- I set the stage by saying that it's been it's been free you know, down to thirty in the low thirties last couple mornings here. Um, tell me about the weather in Florida, or at least in the it was chilly this morning. It was yeah, like okay. fifty seven. Oh, oh my goodness! I don't know how and you it's going it. to be. You know, 
that or at least low 60s overnight here for the next few days. Mm-hmm. Sue, what's the weather like where you are? Yeah. Yeah, South Florida, we just, we don't get there. I mean, I got 20 degrees on you. It was, I think, 74 this morning. Okay. And that other voice is my other good friend here from uh, from where she just described. Uh, from I, I don't even know what you're near. You're near South Florida. From Also from South Florida is uh, Sue Folkeringa. How are you doing, Sue? Uh, did I say Doing right? good. I'm still working on pronouncing Oh, pronouncing no, no, no. Oh, you did, did it just fine. Did I do it okay? Uh, yep. uh, Sue, uh, uh, known to a lot of people as uh, Comanche Sue, is one of her online names. You may know her, um, who's visited us on the podcast over the years. Uh, so what's going on with you, Sue? How are you doing? Was there everything good there? Yeah, everything's good. Business is good. It's just a busy time of the year. People want to buy airplanes. They want to take tax deductions, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So we thought yeah. there, right after tax filing deadline, we'd be you know, slow down, that maybe lasted like six or seven minutes. Well, it's, here well, we guess, are again. Yeah. So uh, as we've mentioned in the past, you, your day job is in the uh, helping people with the money part of airplane ownership, I guess yep. is a way of simplifying it a little bit. And uh, yeah, well, I don't know. Yeah. So tax season ends. I mean, I, I, and I think you're referring to October 15 ending the tax season because that's sort of an end, 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 end. Right. End. Um, and, but then, of course, as you alluded, I would, I'm not surprised to hear that you get into the, you know, we need to figure out what to do with this money before December 31st time. Of yes. Um, so, okay. Well, I'm glad business is good. I'm glad yeah. people have money to buy airplanes. That's a yeah. good thing. And, Us uh, too. Yeah. So uh, anyways, well, great. What's going on in the world of aviation here? Uh, I actually wrote some things down here, and I've lost that page on my screen. Where did it go? Where did it go? It's over here. Here it is. Oh, uh, you know what? No wonder that uh, this is such an unusual happening. That is no wonder that it wasn't high in my in my my consciousness. Um, but um, we have a, we have an FAA administrator. We have a new FAA. Administrator. Drum roll, please. We have an administrator. Um, he's, That's so, pretty cool. Yeah. So he's actually um, been confirmed, right? He's yes. It's, yeah. my, it's my lead sentence in in uh, my editorial for December Aviation Safety is quote. Our long national nightmare is over <laughs> by a vote of 98 to nothing. The U.S. Wow. Senate on wow. October 24 confirmed really? Michael Whitaker to a five-year term as FAA administrator. 98 awesome. to nothing. Una- genuinely unanimous. Pretty much I, unanimous, yeah. I, I don't know. What are those two? Are they, did they abstain or are they I not? Might, might have, one of them might have been Dianne Feinstein. Yeah. Uh, no, I think that guy got sworn in. Yeah, that um, woman actually, but yeah, um, and uh, yeah, that's right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So, anyways, that's yeah, great. Yeah, I mean, that's like, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, we joke around. Um, first of all, it's good that we've got an administrator for reasons that we've talked about in the past. Um, it's somewhat refreshing, almost a little disturbing, though, that that the Senate was able to do something ninety-eight to nothing. That's just kind of like, <laughs> yeah, really? right. What's yeah. wrong with this? Yeah, really. What happened here? What's, what, is... what's the punchline here? What, yeah, what, I know. <laughs> I know. What's going to happen now? You know, it's like uh, there's uh, um, zombies are going to rise, or I don't know what. Um, say, say, say uh, I'm sorry. Hang on. I'm working on a joke. What would it be? It would be. Uh, yeah. Well, it's a joke based on the idea. If you say Beetlejuice three times, something weird. Oh, okay. 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 Um, you know, say say acting administrator three times. There you go. There yeah. you go. <laughs> Anyways, well, this is good. Um, and and we've sort of talked about this guy in the past, but uh, we we we're optimistic about him. Is that a good statement? So. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I. 
I don't know that much about him. I mean, I know what is reported about him. I've never worked with him. I've never met him. I don't know him. Um, he's got a, an aviation background. He is a pilot. Yeah. Um, he served with the agency. As I said, this won't be Whitaker's first rodeo at, at the FAA. Right. Uh, he served... Uh, right, he was some sort of deputy back in... Deputy administrator and chief next-gen operator, off, officer, excuse me. Oh, really? And they still let him come back, huh? Okay. Yeah, he, still, he still wanted to come back. Um, go ahead, I'm sorry. I didn't no, mean to stop that's, you. That's, um, he's got an airline background, too. Some so. people are observing that he's close to the flying taxi industry. Yes. Um, and, and I, you know, I mean... Do we have any thoughts on whether that means anything? I, I call it the advanced air mobility industry segment, but Ooh, you call it I like that. Want. Is that kind of um, a good acronym? Wait a minute. Advanced. Say it again, Chip. Advanced please. air mobility. AAM, they call it. Yeah. And I, it's called, I just call it an industry yeah, but segment. Yeah, there was more to that. Industry like segment. Industry segment. Yeah. Now, Sue, let me ask you. You were at NBAA. Yep. My... Uh, impression viewed from long distance and, and via basically uh, aviation specific media, a little bit of NBAA's own uh, uh, input, uh, own content, but there was a inc- uh, hugely increased emphasis on mm-hmm. what might be called drones or, or what might be called um, uh, air mobility vehicles. There was, there was, and I, I, I didn't go to the show myself, but I, I you know, so I'm getting okay, input okay. from the NBAA, yeah. right. you know, sources too, but yeah, yeah. yeah, but it was definitely increased. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to dig out the cl- a clip. I'm going to dig out a clip from this podcast from probably 10 ish years ago, um, where I came back from a conference that I had been part of as my day job where um and it was a it was a uh, venture capital conference so they were talking about businesses that they were trying to fund and there was a presentation there about someone they were talking about the drone what, what was then the very very you know nation is that the right word budding um drone industry um and i was struck by how much the venture capital people were interested in the subject of UAV, you know, uh, I guess UAVs or drones. Um, and I came back on this podcast and said, we're in trouble because they're going to take over. Um, they, they've got so much money behind them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I kind of stand wow. by that. Um, I, I, that. That's kind of the way this is playing out. This is an industry, that this is a tale that's really starting to wag this dog, um, if you will. Um, at least I think it is. I mean, do you guys disagree or agree? No, I agree. Yeah, I, I don't disagree, uh, A, over the long term, and B, with respect to the industry as a whole. I think a lot of the players in the current industry are not going to be here in, in 10 years. By players, you mean like aircraft manufacturers? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 you know, someone's going to have the, the Honda Accord. Uh, of this and have a lot of that stuff figured out and they're going to be popular and everybody else is going to fall by the wayside. Yeah, maybe. You know, Could be. You know, might be you know, probably two or more companies, but and, you're not, I don't know. It, it depends. You're not going to have a Cessna Piper Beach Mooney uh, um, kind of, uh, um, I don't know, top top echelon. Maybe you will. I don't know. I I tend to think that the economic realities we face these days, there's not enough room for, for multiple manufacturers and someone's going to be, 
going to win this lottery somehow. Mm-hmm. You mean in terms of being a drone manufacturer? In terms of being um, successful, not relying on, on venture capital to get them through um, the first few years. They're going to be successful in, in selling and marketing these, these things, in, in creating a buzz, uh, in, in being the, the, the uh, unpiloted Piper Cub of the skies. Yeah. Right, right. Like the air car. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, okay. I guess if you're talking about um, passenger-carrying drones, I, 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 I won't disagree with you. Um, well, that's what their whole air mobility thing is all about. Yeah, but and I, I look yeah, at drones yeah, as being a bigger category um, that uh-huh. includes, um, you know, all the other things that drones are doing sure. already, let alone the things they'll do in the future. And and I think that's going to be huge because it's going to – I bet – you know, it's interesting. Somebody must have a count. You know, we, we from time to time talk on this podcast about the data, the statistics on number of – of of airworthy airframes um and uh, i mostly in the context of how many new ones got how many got sold but um I, and i and i remember way back in the early days when i first got involved in aviation i was shocked to discover how few airplanes there were in the world you know coming out of the computer industry where if you didn't have like a couple million you know users then you were probably not going to succeed and and anything like that in terms of of you know most airframes um i'd be willing to bet that drone airframe counts if they haven't already um eclipsed traditional aircraft they will eventually oh Oh, yeah yeah Yeah. depending on what kind of drone you're talking about i mean yeah how many how many copies of their popular drones has uh, DJI sold? I don't know. But, uh, I mean, just to answer your question, though, I'm talking about drones that are going to be a presence in the airspace system um, that are going to need to be take, cons- taken into consideration, that are going to get clearances that, uh, that you know... I, under- like, I understand the distinction, but we, we do need to define our terms. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, a drone, a, a, you know, DJI, the little, you know, ones that are used yeah. for cameras and stuff, you know, but they're going to be used... They, it, it seemed funny when it first was talked about, but they're going to be using them to deliver packages. They're Absolutely. Be, you know, um, and and, a, and a, a drone carrying an Amazon package is going to need, I bet you anything, is going to take up as much airspace as a, a 172 or or even bigger. Um, because they're going to, this, the, I bet the clearances, maybe not between drones, but, you know, they're not going to let a 172 any closer to a drone than they let a 172 to a... a well, sonar. there's... there's- Two or three things going on with that. Yeah. Um, one is, I got a sneaking suspicion that the package delivering drones are going to be at relatively low altitude, uh, f- less than 400 feet. Well, okay, AGM. and that's a factor. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Uh, two is whether or not it's controlled airspace, uh, whether it's Bravo airspace or Charlie or whatever. Um, you know, for example, I live at an airport. Um, can a an unmanned let me put it another way um, an unpiloted that's not even the right word uh, let's go back to unmanned aerial vehicle yeah can it even fly into this area I don't know I, I, at this I time I think are, no there are, but... there, are, there are prohibitions on some drones flying near some airports uh, I think it's five miles or it used to be I don't know if that's still a the case b whether there are carve outs 
see whether these package delivery operations get exemptions. I don't know. Yeah. And, and and I will go back to my statement of 10 years ago, which is there's so much money behind this yes. and, and yes. there will be so much money behind it that they're going to roll over a lot of us. They're just going to roll over us. And I, I'm, in, in what ways? Uh, the, the, if, if it comes to a question of airspace allocation between um, Amazon's delivery drones and your average 152, Amazon's going to win. Ah, okay. All right. Um, you know, I mean, like you said, around airports. So even if they're low, you know, they're going to compete. You know, a lot of airplanes are low sometimes, legitimately. And uh, anyways, that's well, my point. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I... I, I... Follow the money, man. There's a lot of money behind I, I these that. things, and they want our airspace. All right, and don't take my GA away. Yeah, well, I know we got to figure it out then. And the new uh, and the new administrator to bring this back around um, apparently is familiar. If uh, it's unclear whether he's a supporter of that industry or just familiar with it or somehow involved with he, it, he, he, after he left the FAA, he ended up at that industry. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Um, all right. All righty then. Moving on. Something, something Moving on. Um, enlightening, uh, exciting to, to think about. Yeah, yeah. I, I, an incredibly sad story. Um, an, an incredibly sad story that, um, quite frankly, I wasn't sure if I wanted to even put on the list, if there was anything to be said about it. Um, but, Sue, you asked me to put it on the list. This is the Death by Time Builder story. Um, this is the story... I don't even know how to summarize this story. Short version is that uh, training flight went wrong. They flew into weather and ended up crashing. Both the instructor and the student died. Um, the backstory gets really weird where the instructor, there's records of the instructor posting um, um, social media posts during the pre-flight of this flight where he was making fun of the student pilot. So apparently this wasn't the student pilot's regular instructor. Right. Uh, this was a fill-in instructor for some reason that I don't quite understand the details of. Um, so the instructor was making making um, um, ridiculing social media posts. I, I mean, just unbelievably, uh, certainly unprofessional. And, and I mean, just, you know, so there's that. Um, and then, and then, um, and then there's a lot of questions in my mind anyways, of whether or not it was even wise. Apparently it sounds to me like there was a bunch of get home involved here, that they Mm -hmm. were, they were at the distant point of a cross country training flight and were headed home. Um, and the, and the instructor is on the record as being that he, he sort of needed to get home. He had, he had an appointment early the next day. Um, and uh, so they launched into marginal weather. It was VFR, but pretty. But it became marginal, and and they eventually flew into IFR. And the radio calls indicate that he he asked for an IFR clearance. He was talking on the radio about how they were getting banged around really badly, um, and then they they disappeared, and 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 you know cra- they crashed. And, and one of his social media posts, and this the image, <clears throat> excuse me, the image is in the NTSB preliminary report. One of his social media posts was a screenshot from ForeFlight showing their magenta line, their flight yeah. path, right. and, and showing a bunch of thunderstorms um, um, to their left. Uh, I think they were headed mainly north, so it would have been to their west, northwest. And 
he's like, well, this will be interesting kind of kind of comment. I don't remember the exact comment. Yeah. Or uh, if there even was one associated with the image. Um, oh, I know what it was. Um, it was uh, Foreflight on an iPad, and he circled uh, with uh, markup yep. uh, capability of the iPad. He circled the image, the the, the, the weather and, and the airplane symbol and all that. And um, not only did they crash, they came apart in midair. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the, the, the bad, uh, right? wreckage yeah. was spread over, I think, 25 acres. A big That's what the yeah. MTSB said. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, uh, just an, uh, so sad and so tragic and so, I mean, uh, and... Uh, and but I, the, I don't even the, know where to go with this story. But the Sue, point, you, you, yeah, you, you the, thought, the you point thought that a lot of, yeah, the point ahead, a lot of people are getting to is the flight instructor was clearly building time for an airline job. Right. Yeah. Right. And but uh, that's not I, inherently a bad thing. Most of that's them are not inherently a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, I flew with a guy um, earlier in the year who fit the bill. Uh, he he was headed for an airline career, um, and he had. I don't know, a thousand hours instructing at, at one of the local FBOs. He owned a twin Comanche, so he was building multi-time faster than he could eat. Um, and, um, you know, a couple of years from now, or maybe not even that long now, um, he'll get to his 1,500 hours and uh, he'll get his ATP and he'll be gone. There's, you know, yeah. that's the way of this world that, that we live right. in. But, yeah, but I'm, I'm loath to imply that being a time builder is what caused this tragedy um i i, I think bad judgment bad judgment, oh yeah bad judgment time caused the tragedy tra yes caused the tragedy but his um i don't know i it's he wasn't. And he doesn't seem to be really well suited to be a flight instructor. It seems to kind of go beyond just this one very incident. Good, yeah. Very good observation. Yeah. Exactly. And 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 that's super sad. Super sad. You you know you by the time you're taking flight instruction, even if you're starting as a young person, you know, 16, 18 years old, you know, you're kind of adultish. You're, you know trusting that the older person you're going with the more sophisticated person is gonna ultimately take care of you yeah and that clearly wasn't the case it sounds like the the student himself maybe he wasn't so sure of himself or you know he wasn't you know the ace of the base or anything but still yeah he's still trusting you know you're giving your trust over to a flight instructor like that Ah, that's what that's what hurt me when I when I read that story. It was like, my gosh, you know. Yeah, I agree. This poor. You're just hoping, you know. We we talk about uh, finding a suitable flight instructor and make sure you've got a good one. And it's kind of like, well, it doesn't sound like that. You know, there was not necessarily time for that to happen or whatever, but because he yeah. got put with this flight instructor and there he goes launches yeah. off with this guy and yeah and it's a the night, tragic end it's a night cross country dual cross country obviously um they were on their way back to home plate i don't know about i didn't catch the part about uh the pilot having an early morning or something like that but uh he was clearly not um as conscientious as he could have been 
Yeah. Yeah, he had to like get up at four in the morning or something. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I had heard was that he was trying to get all of the night requirements accomplished in this one flight. Ah, yes. You know, sense. just trying to cram it all in. It's like, wow. So, yeah, I mean, I, so I, I struggle to figure out what is the lesson to be learned from this. Um, you know, because I, I mean, just I keep feeling so horrible for this student who, you know, this yeah. primary student who, I mean, when you're a primary student, this is this is no no revelation. This is no sage observation on my part. Everyone knows this is that you put your hands in your flight instructor. I mean, you put your life mm-hmm. in your flight instructor's hands, and you trust right. them. You know, and for the most part, that works. Most instructors are are skilled and diligent and and caring and all this stuff. How, you know, and and we in this podcast, I know many times, and in the, on this podcast, and me in talking to student pilots you know i say if you're not happy with your instructor do not feel any guilt find another instructor all right you know just just don't even hesitate all right um and but i don't know but 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 um you're at a distant place halfway through a cross-country flight all right and your instructor's like doing stupid stuff all right Um, right it makes it it's even harder to put your foot down as an as a as an you know as a as, as a, a customer you know as a customer as a young person as a as a, 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 a primary student pilot who's kind of in the mode of trusting the instructor that's why I'm here they're trying to teach me all right and you know and, what a terrible situation I don't even know how to advise other than just don't even hesitate to be tough if you're in a situation like this and, and you know and i think this applies not only to if you're flying with an instructor it applies if you're flying with just another pilot exactly um, you know it's like you, you, i don't know man the right stuff right we're all we've all been been i don't know i was going to say poisoned we've all been been indoctrinated that you're supposed to have the right stuff and you're supposed to put up with this kind of stuff and take the chance you know don't be a wimp um but i think you should be a wimp i think you should yeah stand- you gotta you gotta stand up for yourself you know protect uh, yourself yeah and i don't know if that's if that's i don't know it's, it's not thing. one of the skills that students are taught early on it should be. Well, yeah, I'm, there you go. Maybe that's a good point. That, that is a good point. Maybe that should be. Uh, that's a great point. Um, but, uh, but I, I, you know, assertiveness, decisiveness, these qualities um, are certainly qualities that a, a pilot, a professional pilot also, certainly, mm-hmm. um, needs to have. Um, but it's not at all clear how to promulgate or promote those those uh, characteristics in a student pilot who's kind of as we as we just pointed out dependent on the instructor for his or her livelihood or life mm-hmm. in this instance yeah. so I yeah. don't know how that's supposed to work um, yeah. we, need, we need more mentors I know that part yeah um, yeah so anyway absolutely. Uh, uh, I mean, I'm sure I speak for all of us when I say our condolences for, you know, to everybody involved with this, even mm-hmm. even even the instructor who exercised bad judgment. You know, it's like it's very sad that this happened, and um, you know, everyone should be careful out there. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That, does that say it all? Uh, 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 um, I think so. It, it, it does, I guess. 
you know, I, I don't know. It's I think back to when I was a student, a primary student, maybe pre solo, maybe just post solo, and all I wanted to do was was fly around, mm-hmm. and um, it it got you know you can't can't go right now because there's there's a storm or you know there you can't go right now there's this there's that or the other thing, and um, sometimes or or mainly because you know the instructors weren't around or. Uh, hey, you know, uh, the guy who lived at the airport who was also an instructor, hey, I just sat down and had a beer. I'm sorry, I can't fly with you. I can't fly with you till tomorrow. And that's, you know, obviously a good decision on his part, or everybody's part. Um, but um, it's hard sometimes when you don't have the experience uh, to know that conditions aren't right or, um, you know, you've got, you're signed off to go solo locally. You got keys to the airplane. Um, no one cares. You don't need to talk to anybody. Um, how do you how do you teach? How do you learn? How do you experience the the decision making that goes into all that? I don't have the answer. Yeah, but it's something to cons- to, to think about. Yeah, you know, definitely. I mean, I, I would urge you folks who are eyes of some sort um, should be thinking about this, and I'm sure a lot of you are. All right. Well, on that note, what do we? On got? that happy note, yeah. On that happy note, here we go. This is a sillier story. Silly, maybe not silly, but this is an odd story. Um, so up here in New Hampshire, um, there's a, a Pease um, Airport. I don't know what Pease Sky. It's got a. I don't even know what its official name is anyway. Um, it used to be Pease Air Force Base back National in the day. It was Guard a base or something. I don't it know. was a major SAC base. It's, it's a shame we don't have some device. I know. I know. I'm looking for that right now. Here, um, does this link not work? Hang on. Why does it link not work here? Portsmouth International Airport at Pease. So it used to be a SAC base back in the day. A very success, successful story of an old military base being turned into uh, private use. It's really uh, the, beyond the airport. It's been incredibly successful, um, uh, being turned into an industrial park and and uh, and uh, restaurants and service businesses. It's really very successful. Um, but there was a story in the news recently that they had to suspend flights of heavier aircraft, larger aircraft. I, I'm guessing that this didn't apply to like 172s or or, or Demonairs that came and went. But um, they had to suspend. But there's a uh, there's a uh, Air National Guard, I think it is, or some sort of you know, reserve it's outfit there. Um, it's a basically a fueling refueling um, operation, um, and they had to suspend those flights as well. Um, I, one of the interesting discoveries I, when I was reading the story, I would have put money on that there's no um, scheduled airlines flights out of Pease, and I would have been wrong because uh, apparently there is. Allegiant um, has a handful of flights in and out of of Pease. Um, they had to cancel those for a few days in a row because. Uh, the regulations require that you have a fire truck on the of a particular type and size and capacity and whatever um, at the airport, and um, and apparently the fire truck broke. Right, and then oh, oh boy, and I hate when that happens. The fire truck apparently it's operated by the Air Force or the the whatever that that reserve organization is, um, and and it and and the the main one apparently had broke, and then they found a replacement, and that one broke, and I don't know how they went through like two or three. They got to the point where they couldn't. They didn't have one they couldn't find one all right um and uh and as a result they had to they they said that all these 
types of flights that were not able to land or take off because the fire truck wasn't there. And uh, I don't know. I just I find I don't know. I, I don't know if amusing is the right word, but I just found this story kind of notable. That uh, um, I. I I guess one of my concerns is that the, is it the Air Force? I, I want to get this right here. Is it the Air Force or is it New Hampshire Air National Guard? Okay. Um, I find it notable that the New Hampshire Air National Guard did not have among its, you know, kind of bag of tricks, the skills to keep a fire truck running. Um, this is this is the part that kind of puzzles me. All right. It's like, uh, I get that these are not your, you know, simple fire trucks, but nevertheless, um, they apparently couldn't keep these things in repair. And uh, um, I, I don't know where it is, what's become of it now, but they eventually started flying again because they borrowed a truck from Rhode Island. I mean, they had to, I mean, that's that's like two states away, not very big states, but nevertheless, two states away. And uh, they had to borrow a truck from, I think it was Rhode Island or Connecticut or something like that. And uh, um, yeah, so there we go. So what you, you learn that the, Air, the, the, that the Air National Guard doesn't know how to they're they're great at at air air you know air tankers all right but not so good at fire trucks make that's me being very flippant i apologize very flippant. um and uh and allegiant has scheduled airline traffic into makes me want to actually take a flight i like they apparently go to like one place Although that one place, I believe, is Orlando, I think. Uh, yeah, I'm just seeing that. Yeah. Orlando so, Sanford. And I do go to Orlando from time to time. So uh, I wonder if I could, I uh, wonder what what they're, what a ticket on, the, on them. You Bring know. your own fire truck, man. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, there we go. I think I get any better than that right there. We're done. Um, what's next? Uh, I had a list. I had a list. Uh, Jeb, you put this on the list. Uh, Rocky Mountain Metropolitan Airport announces the elimination of leaded fuel. Uh, apparently, they're going to start phasing out leaded fuel of any kind, and they've got an alternative. What, what's the story, Jeb? Uh, I just put it on here. I didn't really read it. Yeah, um, okay. All <laughs> um, right. No, uh, let, me, let me really well, quickly scan it. Um, yeah. Apparently, um, um, local resident... Uh, has uh, some scientific background. He and he said he and two colleagues tested window sills. I, this is the part of the story that jumped at, out at me too. At yeah, what nine did they say? houses, yeah, spread across different neighborhoods near the airport. Yeah, and were alarmed at the amount of lead they found. Yeah, oh, wow. Two, two, two thoughts. First of all, have is it like Colorado a lead mining state? Yeah. I, uh, I think yeah. They do mine lead in Colorado. Putting that aside, uh, Leadville. Yeah, lead. <laughs> duh. Um, yeah. Did they t- test other window sills? Right. That, like, that was not my... close to the airport. Right. Did, how scientific was this? Study? How scientific was this? Yeah. Um, and um, because they did very similar thing in in San Jose, California, in. That the people who want to kill uh, mm-hmm. Reed Hillview, um, mm-hmm. and so yeah. uh, well, and, and then the, the airport director, or apparently, or, yeah, Rocky Mountain Metro Avia. I don't know if that's the airport manager or um, um, yeah. <clears throat> another operator there at the airport. Um, the airport's purchase of a new fuel truck you see behind me, and a twelve thousand gallon tank that will be installed in twenty twenty four will allow us to switch over the existing fleet by the fall of 2024. Okay. Now, there's two things, two other things here. This is all about UL-94. Exactly. Yep. 
Uh, which, no mention in the story of G100. No mention in the story of G100UL, which is Gammy's unleaded fuel. Yep. Um, there's no mention in this story about how uh, UL97, which I'll presume is a swift fuel. Yeah, UL94. You missed one, um, but yeah, yeah, yeah UL94. How um, aircraft that may fl- and that will fly into that airport cannot take on UL94 right. because it's a lower octane fuel. Yeah. <clears throat> um, well, it does. The story does mention. You know, they kind of spin it in a positive way. They say that the, they they say the fuel is compatible with two thirds of the right. uh, airport's aviation fleet. All right. right. You know, and, in other words, it's that's not my, compatible. That's kind of my point. Yeah, it's not compatible with one third. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Jeff. No, that's yeah, so, that's the, that's my point. Yeah, it's 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 just it's the same story again and again and again. And I I, I don't understand it. Maybe we should get I don't know. Maybe should should we get George Brawley back on the podcast, or should we get someone else on the podcast? No, maybe we should get George back on to uh, figure out why is this such a problem? What the heck is going on here? It's is this, yeah. My understanding, I think George pretty much alluded to this uh, supply and demand. Um, I don't know what the problem is in getting supply to some of the, the uh, um, um, airports in, in California that are kind of uh, literally under the gun with some of this. Um, but George, as I recall, said, hey, we got, you know, tank car sitting idle uh, waiting for someone to make some of this fuel. And Wait a minute. I thought it was the other way around. I thought what he said was, we've got someone ready to make the fuel. Please send us tank trucks, tank cars. I, um, well, but any okay. Well, yeah, so, someone needs to make the fuel, and someone needs to put it on a tank car yeah. and get it to California. And um, for some reason, that's not happening, and yeah. we don't know why. I and that's you know, and everyone keeps singing the praises of UL ninety four, which is what it is, and it's not awful, but it's not not perfect. Um, and it just, but from everything I've ever heard. G one hundred UL is a better option than UL ninety four. It fits all sizes. It, yeah, exactly. It serves all engines. Yeah, um, and but for some reason, it's just not part of the discussion in all of these. And I don't understand what's going on here, uh, uh, other than it's politics and somebody got a. I was going to say, follow the money, just follow, like you yeah. said with the UAV yeah. thing. Yeah, same yeah. thing. Same you know. thing exactly. Um, so, anyways, there's a better mousetrap out there. People just need to to uh, embrace it. And um, Gammy's been been very smart in a lot of different ways. One of them is uh, um, their engineering and uh, their their politics with the FAA uh, and just their longevity, their their refusal to take no for an answer. Um. They need to think about PR. They yeah. need to think about um, um, going more active in that arena. Yeah. There's a lot of things they could be doing. Um, they could be doing, you know, they could be sponsoring uh, an air race. They could be doing, um, uh, uh, hey, ten gallons free with with your first, you know, you know, or or or. Uh, a, f- a free tank with your STC. Or I, I don't know. There's all yeah, kinds no, of promotions no. out there. Yeah, no. I mean, a lot of people, Drew has and, talked about a couple of these ideas. And that, they could uh, have, you yeah. know, someone reacting to these stories, getting follow-ups done. Uh, everybody's bemoaning the lead in fuel. Well, hey, you know, here's a here's a fuel that works. Yeah. And it's a pre- FAA approved. 
and all we need to do is get to get over uh, over center uh, on on deploying it, and this is a this is a wasted conversation. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, I don't know. It, I, I, it, it's, yeah, it's a puzzle. It's a puzzle, and we should acknowledge. I, I want to acknowledge that that we've been fans of Gammy for a long time now. I mean, we have no interest. We have no no you right. know certainly no financial relationship with them. Um, in, you know, but we have been fans of them for a long time, and and that that you know that i don't know colors or skews or whatever well, they're, they're um, one i, I think more, it educates our our our, our opinion on yeah. them. but but they, they're one of the more innovative companies out there they're, yeah. they're one of the more have been uh, for a long time have been for a long time this. they they you, anytime you hear anyone think or talk about uh lean of peak operations of a piston engine gammy is the uh kind of the guru organization of that um, that type of operation. Um, they they developed the fuel injectors that allowed it. They um, secured the, the approvals for it. They've taught scores and scores, if not hundreds of pilots, thousands of pilots, how to do it, how to run Lean of Peak, um, how to how to manage their engines generally. And it's it's quite remarkable. You know, here's a couple of well, I won't say a couple. Here's a, a group of uh, people in a sm- small town in central uh, Oklahoma. Um, um, not exactly a one-horse town, but may, I don't know how many stoplights they have. Yeah. Maybe 12. No. I don't know. Uh, they have a good barbecue uh, and uh, a great little airport. Okay. And, great barbecue. And, uh, all right. You know, all, these things, all these things are important yeah. to, to, to us. <laughs> I mean, maybe um, the difference – maybe it's as simple as – for better or worse, um, UL94 has it's available. It's yeah. you can buy a truck a truck full of it, you know. Or whereas whereas G100 UL you cannot yet buy a truck full of it, a truckload of it. Yeah. Um, and it, and maybe it's that simple. It's just that you know it's kind of like if they both were equally available, it would be playing out differently. I don't mm-hmm. know. So, anyways, all right. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I disagree with that, and, and uh, you know. Um, we get if we get George on again, we'll we'll uh, we'll ask that question. Yeah, yeah. What's next here? Oh, sad story here. Um, this yeah. is uh, um, so um, I, Bert Rutan is very very well known in the aviation world. Um, um, a, 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 a legend, um, a, a genius, uh, an incredible uh, developer, designer, um, whatnot. And for years, and he's kind of retired. He's kind of you know faded into the background a little bit as he as he lives this part of his life. Um, but for years, he was one of the keynote things at AirVenture every year. Um, is that Bert would do a handful of forums. Um, they, I, I swear that EAA built the biggest forum sheds because of the Burt Rutan talk. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, every year he did a handful of talks, but the one, the, kind of the keynote of the Burt Rutan talks was something called the Tent Talk Show, um, where Burt would just get on stage with a couple of friends uh, or alone um, and just take questions and talk about whatever was on his mind. And it was a great, great forum. And um, and it was always standing room only and in the biggest forum shed that they had there um one of his one of his sidekicks um and in the later years of them doing it it was his regular sidekick it was his number one sidekick was a was a a guy named john ronce um and john was a a, a, a aerodynamic 
designer. He designed wings and, and airfoils, um, and apparently very, very good at it. Um, did some real genius work in terms of designing some some out, thinking outside the box, if you will, um, um, airfoils, um, and uh, designed some of the wings that 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 uh, Rutan used, and designed things that were others used. He was just he was also a really cool guy. He was just a lot of fun to listen to. Um, and uh, um, you know, just a very he, and and you got to give him cred for being able to actually just sit next to Bert Rutan and hold his own. All right, um, and he did. You know, um, he he was he was very very entertaining and knowledgeable and fun. Um, um, uh, and uh, sadly, he passed away just recently. Um, he uh, has also kind of dropped out of sight for some years, um, probably because he's he's getting on in years. But uh, um, he he did pass away just recently, and I just wanted to recognize that uh, that John was a was a great part of of that stuff and did some amazing work in aviation. And uh, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm sure his work lives on in, in some aircraft designs. I, I don't know whether there's any recordings of any of those presentations available or, or anything like that. Um, he could sing. This is something that a lot of people didn't know. I remember one time he shocked the heck out of us at this tent talk show when uh, uh, it, it, somehow, some way it came up that he could sing. And he had this beautiful opera voice. He could just, you know, it was really. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty amazing. Um, John Ronce, he was, uh, he was, he was uh, quite a guy. And uh, um, may he rest in peace. I don't know whether you guys have any experience with him, but I, I, I did. And, uh, None whatsoever, but yeah. kind of young guy. He's 75. Yeah. Well, this is happening lately, but uh, yeah. No. Um, yeah. Anyways, John Ronce. Um, what's next here? We're almost where we're reaching the end of our allotted time here. Um, yeah, back before we press record, we talked for a couple minutes about this Las Vegas Formula One race thing and how it's affecting GA out there. Um, and I think uh, in about a month or so, we're going to have um, um, Drew Poli back on because Drew flies in and out of uh, Las Vegas all the time in his 172. And he's the one who's kind of really been educating me about the craziness that's going on out there. There's a lot of craziness. The races, if anybody's familiar with Formula One, it's like a huge deal. It's like this incredible production. Um, uh, but to our in, in, of interest to us is that the three airports out there, the the big international airport, um, formerly McCarran, now Reed Airport, and North Las Vegas and Henderson, are for the like two days before, during the races, and like two days after ish. Um, major, major um, air, airport restrictions to the point where there is, and I'm not exaggerating, there's a three thousand dollar landing fee to land at one of these airports during that period of time. And it's actually, you, you couldn't even get that fee now because all the slots are taken, apparently. It's all by reservation. And, um, and by the way, there's $3,000 landing fee, and you can't park. You have to land, drop off your passengers, or pick up your passengers, and then leave. Because Parking no, is extra. Yeah, par- not extra unavailable well um, if you didn't make a reservation yeah right so it's a crazy situation um and uh, you know drew who's talked to us a lot in the past and we've told stories about him flying out to las vegas for work um is having to travel a different way he's actually his company is working on the formula one race he's a oh, little right. part a little part of it um it's a huge production um yeah. but he can't fly out there that week He's got to, you know, and he, he dug, he, you know, he pulled his strings and he knows a lot of people unavailable, not possible. Um, wow. And, uh, so he's driving, they're driving out. Um, you I can guess. always land on the strip. 
Yeah, right. Once. Once. <laughs> Once. Um, so uh, um, after it'll be after it's all over, but we're going to have Drew back on the podcast to talk to us a little bit about what this experience was actually like and uh, um, what his experiences is. Um, he's kind of worked up about the fact that, that, that access to a public airport can be restricted in this way for something like this. And he and I had a long conversation about this the other day, and I'm going, well, yeah, the, the three thousand dollars is a pretty shocking number, but the fact that it's an airport that's full isn't all that unheard of. Um, and you know, I don't know. We'll talk to Drew about that. I don't know if you, unless you guys have some insights into this or anything you want to observe. Um, uh, it's it's been a while since I had to dive into that. Yeah. So, but after it's all done with, um, Drew will come on and we'll talk more about it. That's three thousand dollar landing fee for this five day period. By reservation, and never mind, they aren't any more available. Finally, so I got a question. Now, if yeah. you fly into, let's say, Henderson or North Vegas, yeah, and uh, you didn't know anything about the three thousand dollar landing fee, you, you've already landed, shut down, and the guy wants three thousand dollars, and you're not going to pay it, they're going to have to park the airplane. Well, and, and, yeah. You know, um, and maybe it'll all work out that way. Maybe, I know. I think the way that's going to play out, yeah, I know you're joking, because the way that's going to play out is the tower's going to say, go away. You're going to yeah. call in saying, you know, with information, I don't know what, you know, well, landing, and they're going to say, let's, yeah, and let, gonna, and let's yeah. back up. You know, a, let's check, you know, are, is there a notum out there on this? And, and B, uh, is it the control tower's job to um, tell them to go away because they don't comply with uh, they don't have three thousand dollars in the pocket. Um, well, I, I'm yeah, not sure that that's yeah. ATC's role. If they were still accepted, so first of all, it's got to be a reservation, all right? So uh, the tower, I'm sure the tower is managing the res, you know, I mean, abiding by the reservation, you know, re- reservation system, yeah. you know. So you it call in saying fuzzy. I want to land. Yeah, what? It gets a little fuzzy um, sometimes, yeah. uh, and this this could probably get really fuzzy because it's Vegas. Um, so I, I don't know. I, don't yeah. know. I, I, so. I see Drew's point, and depending on how this is all put together, he may have one. Yeah, but uh, I've definitely had the experience going into Miami before. When you're uh-huh. a GA airplane, they will make you aware that there's a landing fee, or they they uh-huh. say, Do you, "Are you aware that there's a, you know, service fee?" Uh-huh. And that's the tower saying that. Interesting. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's I, I I was not aware that that was going on either. Yeah, uh, so I, I've gotten other similar advisories uh, from tower personnel in the past. Um, I don't know if they were helping or if they were required to um, ask or or advise or, or whatever the the phraseology would be. <clears throat> um, I I just don't know. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, we'll see. But uh, we'll get Drew on. This will be probably yeah. in December or maybe even January. But but we'll we'll do it. And, and uh, that's right. You know, it's it's November. Yeah, it's, it's there. We're almost you know, we're running out of time. That's crazy. Yeah, the, it's this, nuts. This will post in late November. Um, it's all well. It's what is it now? It's the oh no, it's early November now. But it, it'll be after Thanksgiving when this posts. So uh, um, it, it'll be sometime in December or later. Finally, um, uh, this is, I think this is encouraging news, all right? So um, it, it, people paying attention know that the, the last edition of the Reno National Championship Air Races were held at Reno 
um, a month or so ago. Um, and it was announced almost a year ago that this was going to be the last one that Reno, that the races were going to have to leave Reno, Reno, I don't know the exact details, except to say that they weren't going to be held at Reno anymore. Um, and a lot of people speculated that this could be a problem because who else is going to have the facility to do this? Is Are, are the air races, you know, because as a, you know, so obviously there's an organization, I think it's called the National Championship Air Races, that runs this, this event. Um, and, uh, you know, we weren't, we were speculating, I, I being one of them, was speculating that there may not be another venue like, like, um, Reno Stead to do this kind of thing. Um, and I was really tickled recently to see a report that that not one, but six, count them, six airports or mm-hmm. facilities, venues around the country have, have basically made a proposals, have made individual proposals to host the national championship air races um, going forward. And and I just think that's terrific. Um, I can't, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm going to get myself in jam here, but I can't imagine that one of these isn't going to work out or, you know, or if there's six, there isn't a seventh and an eighth that would work out if they don't work out. Right. Um Six, this is reading from AvWeb, six uh, new venues vying for hosting the National Championship Air Races. Six communities in six different states have submitted supporting documents seeking approval, et cetera, et cetera. I'm looking for the list here. Where is it here? Vying to become the new venue, Buckeye, Arizona, Casper, Wyoming, Pueblo, Colorado, Roswell, New, new Mexico, which I think would be awesome, Roswell, <laughs> New Mexico, um, and uh, Thermal, California, and Wendover, Utah. Um, Wendover, Utah is a favorite of mine because I used to drive through there when I was driving cross country. Um, it's literally, it's Wendover, Utah is interesting. Wendover, Utah is 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 almost literally the definition of the middle of nowhere. At least it used to be. Now Interstate, I think it's eighty, goes right through there and um, across the Great Salt Lakes to uh, Salt Lake City. But um, Wendover, Utah, before the arrival of the interstate highways, was sufficiently the edge of the universe that it is the place where the um, atomic bomb crews for World War II went to train. All right. Oh wow! Yeah, um, there's memo- there's monuments and memorials about this out there now. All right, this is where um, those B what is it B twenty nine crews went to practice the bombing runs and the whole situation, um, and uh, because they needed some place that was like nobody's going to find out we're doing this, you know. Cool. Wendover, Utah yeah. was the was the uh, the uh, uh, you know middle of nowhere um and uh now it's an interesting little town because it's wendover so wendover utah is right next to i think it's when i'm not sure if it's there's a wendover nevada but it's right on the state line uh, where interstate 80 goes into uh into nevada and of course once you cross the line into nevada there's a bunch of casinos so this little this little oasis town in the middle of the desert um or the mountains or the desert whatever you want to call it um and uh yeah it's a we, this is one of the stops I made when I flew um, home from Oshkosh a long, 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 long time ago. It's we still stopped. in the other direction. Oh, you lived uh, in California at the time. I, this is when I lived in California, um, and we were flying home. And we stopped at Wendover, um, the the air, the the, uh, the airport that was the base where the B-29s, mm-hmm. um, you know, set up to do their training way back in the day. And there's like bronze plaques talking about it, and uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, six places that are going to... Um, yeah, I'm surprised. And, and that's, all of them that's cool. in, in, the, in the mountain time zone or the Pacific time zone? Uh, that's an interesting question. Um, Arizona, well, Arizona is a special case because yeah, they, I, they do okay, weird fine, things. Right. 
Um, um, Wyoming, they're either mountain or cent or or I mean I or 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 uh, I don't Pacific. think Wyoming's in. Uh, yeah, and I don't think Utah Central. is in Pacific. Yeah. I, um, so, uh, but you know, they're all out there in the middle of nowhere. They're all out sort of in the in the you know remote uh, like Reno Stead is. Um, so cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, yep. And uh, yeah. Six of them. So we'll follow this, but uh, maybe I will get to go to the Reno. I thought this is it. I'm never going to get to go to the Reno Air Races again. Um, have either of you ever been to the Reno Air Races? Never been. Very, very I, I went 2009. Uh-huh. So it's been a while. Yeah, but, but that's why your... I am I am surprised that they're still trying to keep it going. That's cool. Yeah, but so I'm, I'm interested to hear what was your reaction when you went? Was it What, what was your reaction? Uh, yeah, I had no concept what it was going to be like. So yeah, it was cool. It was yeah. a big, it's a big party. You know, yeah. they got that element to it, but sit on the bleachers, watch the airplanes. I, so I, not I, Oshkosh. It's definitely no, not no, an no, Oshkosh no, no, thing. No, no, it's not. It's, it's totally it's, different. It's more NASCAR than it is. Yes. Man, you know, but um, I found it, you know, so I, I went, I forget exactly what prompted me to go the first time. And I went two or three times when I was living out there on the West Coast. Um, and I, I knew, you know, I was a young pilot or, you know, knew it being a pilot. I was not very young. Um, but, uh, um, I, and I had heard of the Reno air races and it just didn't really excite me. It didn't seem like, okay, well, it's a big deal. Airplanes going, you know, airplanes going around in circle. I didn't th- get, I didn't get it. All right. And for whatever reason I went, all right. And from the very first race I saw, it was just thrilling. Um, because yeah, it's airplanes going around in a circle, but they're going around in a circle really fast, really close mm-hmm. to each other. All right. Um, and, uh, uh, wow. All right. I mean, it was very, very exciting. Um, and, uh, although there, there have been notable, you know, tragedies over the years, not, not the least of which was this on this final one. Um, they had a, a really mm-hmm. sad situation. Um, the, it's, uh, you know, no more than I, I personally don't think it's any more than any other, you know, kind of extreme sport. These things are dangerous. Sometimes things go wrong. You know, you, 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 take a look at it after the fact and try and make it less likely to happen again but uh yeah uh, the reno air races were really really exciting and i went multiple times when i was still living out there um it's a little bit far away from new hampshire so i haven't been able to go (laughs) yeah it's at least one fuel stop for me yeah yeah even for you right exactly so uh so very exciting the the uh, six candidates and if there's six there's probably more and uh, i'm now somewhat optimistic that the reno air races will return maybe not next year but sometime in the future that'd be cool that'd be cool that'd be cool we need to go out there, Jeb, and uh, and and so you can come, or we'll, we'll, we'll go out and broadcast live. We'll go sure. do an episode from the uh, from the flight line or whatever, and uh, yeah, do dailies during the air races. It's really very exciting. Believe me, if you if 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 it when it returns and you have the opportunity, go at least once just to see what I mean, because man, it's exciting. Yeah. All right, I think that's it. I think this is fork time. Anything else we want to talk about that we didn't talk about? Um, no. Not on the list. We I went through the list. Well, yeah, but this list isn't, yeah. isn't as I said to Sue before we started, it's not gospel. Right? Yeah. We can talk about whatever we want to talk about. You know, I can talk about, well, in mind. Okay. I can what? Talk. What are we talking no, about? No, I did. As a matter of fact, I, there were a couple of times when I spun a, us off in a different direction. Yeah. Because we yeah. can do that. We can do that. Um, anyways, thank you, guys. Um, it, it's always a pleasure to get together with you. Thank you, Sue, for taking some time and joining yeah, us again. You're welcome. Thank uh, you. We hope that you will uh, join us again in the future. Um, that's uh, Sue Folkeringa. 
she or call sign. I want to say call sign, but 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 better known to some people as Comanche Sue. Uh, Sue is a twenty five hundred hour commercial pilot. She's a CFI, a CF double I, and a CFI G. Uh, glider, right? That's glider. Yep. Yeah. That's a glider. Uh, yeah. She and her beloved Comanche are based at Pompano Beach Air Park in Florida, uh, from where she and her husband Doug do a lot of fun flying. Um, for her day job, uh, Sue calls herself an aviation taxologist, which is another way of saying she's a partner at the accounting firm of aviation CPAs. You can learn more about them at the uh, website. Get, correct me if I'm wrong about this. AviationCPAs.com. There is an S on the end of that so yeah that's correct cpas.com um thank you sue we really appreciate your being with us thank you and jeb burnside jeb's a freelance aviation writer and editor he serves as the editor-in-chief of aviation safety magazine he's also a frequent contributor to other aviation publications you can find jeb's work online at aviationsafetymagazine.com also uh he does some things from time to time avweb.com aea.net and many others um, on social media he's a uh, burnside j on twitter x twitter whatever we call it um, uh, aviation safety magazine is on x twitter um, as av safety mag um, and on mastodon he's burnside j at mytransponder.com and i'm jack hodgson i am a private pilot a freelance writer and a digital media producer you can find me online in most places with the all one word username jack hodgson for example twitter X, uh, YouTube, Patreon, um, on Mastodon, I am Jack Hodgson at mastodon.social, and you can find information about my ebooks on Amazon by searching for Around the Field in the Books section. Thank you, folks, for taking the time to listen to our little podcast here. You can follow UCAP on the uh, on Mastodon at Uncontrolled Airspace at MyTransponder.com. Also, if possible, please become a supporter of this podcast at Patreon.com slash Uncontrolled Airspace. Um, it's, it really helps us with uh, keeping the podcast going, and uh, we're going to get ready. To, we're about to announce the date um, of, a new, the, of our next uh, video live stream, and the uh, actual live stream is exclusively available to uh, uh, Patreon. Patreon and other financial supporters of the podcast. Um, so uh, that's one of the one of the pluses of being a Patreon supporter. Or you can make a PayPal tip jar donation, care of the email address podcast at uncontrolledairspace.com. Um, as I alluded to a minute ago, just a few dollars, 10 or $15 over the span of an entire year is a big, big help to us in doing this podcast. Also, we'd love to hear from you. So you can use that same email address podcast at uncontrolledairspace.com. Send us your comments and questions. And, you know, so anyways, Jeb, was there something... Did you have some words of wisdom for us? I just wanted to remember or remind everyone that flying at night is the same as flying in the daytime, except you can't see. Okay. Nice. (laughs) All right, wayward aviators, that's enough talking. Let's go flying.